Good to see you all, and happy spring break to you. How many parents are waiting for their kids to go back to school? Anyone? Oh, we're loving spring break. A little rainy for our liking. We don't escape to the warmer climates, but we.、Um, my big Bible won't fit with my iPad, so we're gonna go with that, and we're gonna go with that. It is so good to see you. Well, we have a, a couple more announcements. Number one, it is Miss Rose's birthday. Happy birthday to you, Miss Rose. We love you. Our wonderful prayer coordinator, Rose. It is so good to see you. And there's some visitors here,、um, all the way from Powell River. Pastor Jen's family. Are here? I think they're here. Yes. Good to see you. Bless you. Good to see you. And if anyone else is visiting,、um, welcome, welcome. You're at Northside Church. If you were looking for Starbucks, it's down the road.、Um, but it is good to see you.、Um, today, I want to talk about one of the greatest mysteries in the Bible: is the fact that we are a household of God. We are members of a household of God. And a dwelling place for God. This is one of the greatest mysteries in the Bible because we trace the presence of God throughout the Old Testament. We trace His interaction with humanity, and then we come into the New Testament, and Jesus establishes us as the household of God, the place that God would live. And our spirits become a dwelling place for God. So I want to share with you this morning about number one, what it means to be a dwelling place, and then how do we become a dwelling place? Are we ready? It's going to be good. Let me pray over God's word as we open it that He would speak through me, or else you'll just get a bunch of Italian jokes. And、uh, we don't need those. So,、um, Father, would you come and would you, as you always do, illuminate your word, bring fresh life from your word? Would you just would the words begin to leap off the page and into our spirits? Would you transform us in your presence this morning, Lord? Would we continue to worship you now through the word? Connecting with our Father, connecting with Jesus, connecting with the Holy Spirit this morning, in Jesus' name, Amen, Amen, Amen. So turn with me to Ephesians chapter two,、um, and we are in our theme chapter for the year. Our theme verse for the year is Ephesians two twenty-two. In Him, you too are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the by the Spirit, the Holy Spirit. That's good. So we're in chapter two, and we're leading up to two twenty-two. So verse nineteen of chapter two says, "So then, you are no longer strangers and aliens." But you are fellow citizens with the saints, and members of the household of God, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets. Christ Jesus Himself being 
the cornerstone. So again, over the last few weeks, we've looked at what it means to be chosen, what it means to be a child of God. And last week, we looked at the idea of Jesus tore down the wall of hostility between the Gentiles, the non-Jewish people, and himself. Jesus kicked down the wall that separated all of us from him. And that in the single act of the cross, Jesus took away all the barriers to him, right? We looked at that last week. And so today, Paul is reiterating this in verse 19. He's saying, we are no longer strangers and aliens. We are fellow citizens and members of the household of God, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets. And so what Paul is again saying is is that Gentiles are welcome. Those that aren't Jewish people are welcome to become part of the household of God. Now, this is revolutionary at the time, of course, because for thousands of years, only the Jewish people were the household of God. Only the Jewish people were chosen. Only the the Jewish people were adopted. And then Jesus comes along and he changes that. And he says, all of you are members. But what does Paul mean by apostles and prophets? So I want to break this down for you just for a few minutes. And um, next month I'll have a whole teaching on the apostles, prophets, evangelists, and pastor teachers. Um, the fivefold ministry, which is really fourfold ministry. I'll teach on that next month. But I want to give us a little bit of insight into what is an apostle and what is a prophet. And do they exist today? So the New Testament concept of apostle did not exist in the Old Testament. The apostles were known as the ones who saw Jesus, who encountered Jesus personally face-to-face, experienced Jesus face-to-face, And so the apostles were typically the 12. We have the 12 apostles. We have Paul was an apostle, and we have some other New Testament apostles. Um, But the word apostle is not a Christian word. The word apostle actually was used by the Roman Empire to describe a sent one or a messenger. And so the Roman Empire would send out apostles to new areas to establish the culture of Rome, the language of Rome, the government of Rome. And so these apostles would be sent out from the Roman Empire to different lands to establish culture that was um, the same as Rome. So the, the best thing I could think of in a modern day sense is McDonald's. McDonald's. McDonald's has um, what they call standardization in their company. And so within McDonald's, if you travel to anywhere in the world and you walk into a McDonald's and you buy a Big Mac and you eat that Big Mac, McDonald's wants that Big Mac to taste the same as it does in California and Shanghai. And so McDonald's will actually send out people ahead of time to study the culture and to establish the McDonald's way of standardization before they start building a McDonald's in that location. And so the apostles are ones that are sent out 
that carry the culture of where they're sent from. Apostles today are all of us. Now, I'm not talking about big A apostle. I'm talking about little A apostle. See, people sometimes want a title. I am Apostle Joel. Boom. That's not what I'm referring to. I'm saying that all of us are sent out. We are all being sent into spheres of influence. We're being sent into our community, sent into our workplace, sent into Starbucks, sent on vacation. We are constantly moving around. And in our moving around, we are not just moving around. We don't just go on vacation. We don't just go on trips with our family. We don't just go out to eat. We don't just go to work. We're sent ones. And we actually carry within us the DNA of heaven. We carry within us the culture of heaven. We carry within us the culture of who Jesus Christ is. So everywhere we go, within us, Christ goes. And Christ in us, the hope of glory, is looking to establish heavenly culture on earth. That's why Jesus prays, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Jesus is saying, I pray that the Big Mac on earth would taste like the Big Mac in heaven. There are no Big Macs in heaven. (laughs) Convinced of it. Only pizza and pasta and fresher meatballs and a sauce. And now you got me hungry, see? Okay, back to the... So we have the apostles, sent ones. See, I think today what happens, and I'll share more, more next month. I think what happens is we think apostle is such a grand thing that we, we miss the fact that we're all sent, right? We think missionaries are a big thing. Gabriel has to visit us in the middle of the night. We're all sent. Prophets. Prophets exist in the Old Testament and the New Testament. Prophets have a few roles. Prophets will see the future. Prophets will also see what's really happening today. Prophets will hear the voice of God and they will speak that to the people. Prophets can be, you can have uh, prophetic preaching, you can have a prophetic word, you can have insight into what God is doing right now in this service, or you can kind of see in the future about what God is going to do. And prophets are all through the Old Testament and New Testament, and prophets very much still exist today, but prophets are the vision of God and the ears of the church. 
Prophets see what God is doing, prophets hear what God is saying, and prophets are tapped into what God is doing now and what he wants to do in the future. Prophets are connected vertically, primarily. Sometimes prophets come, along, come off a little bit prickly because they can be a little bit judgmental. They can start in discernment and they can end up in suspicion. Prophets can sometimes uh, rub people the wrong way. We'll just leave it there. But the reason that the church is built on the sent ones and the ones who are connected vertically, listening and seeing what God is doing here and now, is because they're the primary gifts to establish the church. You want the ones who carry the culture. You want the ones who are hearing from God. You want the ones who are seeing what God is is doing. And so Paul says that the church is built on the apostles and the prophets. But they're not built on their own. They are built on Christ Jesus, the cornerstone. Paul says elsewhere in 1 Corinthians 12 that you are the body of Christ and individual members of it, and God has appointed in the church first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healing, helping, administrating, and various gifts of tongues. First apostles, second prophets, third teachers. I felt the Lord say this to me about apostle, prophet, and teacher. He said, apostles carry the ways of God, the culture, the way that things should be happening. Apostles can kind of be, be leaning toward an explosiveness to the ministry because they carry, they want to see the ways of God established. They want to see transformation in the culture. They want to see transformation in the countries where they might be going to. They want to see transformation in families. They want to see transformation in the workplace. The apostles want to see the ways of God. And, and the prophets come along and they say, ah, I'm primarily concerned about the words of God. And so prophets come along and they're listening to what God is saying and what, you know, they're looking for it, they're listening, they're seeing, they're listening, they're seeing. What is the word of God for right now? What is the word of God for the future? And then teachers come along and they sort out the apostles and the prophets. No, <laughs> teachers come along and they carry the wisdom of God. Like the structure to the church. And they take what prophets are saying and they see the ways of God and they they bring a wisdom to it. Apostles bring culture, prophets bring communication, teachers bring structure. And Christ is the cornerstone for this dwelling place. Now the word for cornerstone here is actually, there's two meanings to it. It can be cornerstone or capstone. So let's start with cornerstone. A cornerstone is the first stone laid. 
The first stone is the most important stone because the first stone determines the direction. The first stone determines the stability. The first stone determines the line of the wall. And so Christ is the first stone. In other words, he is the one we measure our lives against. He is the one that we put our lives upon. When we're looking for what's possible in our community, in our families, in our schools, in our workplace, in our own lives, we, we look to Jesus Christ himself because he is the cornerstone. When we're establishing what are the programs for the church or where do we want to go, what's the direction we want to go in, we want to look to Jesus to determine the direction. We want to make sure that everything we're doing is upon Jesus. He is the stable one. Now, not only is he the cornerstone, but he's the capstone. The capstone is the final stone. The capstone can be, if you're building an arch, the capstone is that final stone in the middle that holds the arch up. Jesus is the cornerstone, and he is the capstone. He is the alpha, and he is the omega. He is the author, and he is the finisher. When I start my ministry, and everywhere along as I finish my ministry, Jesus Christ is the measuring block. Now this is what the leadership of a church looks like. But not only this, we are a dwelling place for the Spirit. A place that God chooses to live a place God chooses to live see in the Old Testament God lived in different ways he interacted with the people in different ways in Genesis he walked with Adam and Eve in the cool of the night we would assume that they had face-to-face interaction Next, God comes in the form of a pillar of, cl- a pillar of cloud and a pillar of fire. So a cloud by day that they could follow, a pillar of fire by night that they could follow. And then God himself comes to rest upon the Ark of the Covenant. And we read that Moses made the Ark and the Ark was held in the tabernacle. And we read in Deuteronomy 10, verse 8. I just want to read a few passages on the Ark of the Covenant. And then if you stay with me, there's a transforming truth at the end of this. At that time, the Lord set apart the tribe of Levi to carry the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord, to stand before the Lord and minister to him and to bless in his name to this day. So the Lord set apart the priests, the pastors, 
And the pastors would, imagine this was the Ark of the Covenant. I know it's a drum cage, and I just, this is not sacrilegious. I'm just using this drum cage as an illustration because I couldn't build an ark last night. So I'm, I'm using this drum cage as an illustration. The, the priests were, were kind of hired by God. Um, I don't know if it's hiring when you could die in the presence of God, but, but God hired these priests and he said, okay, here you are, the, the Levi, uh, the Levites or the priests would stand before the ark and they would minister to the Lord day and night and they would just pour out their hearts before him and bless him. Um, funny sidetrack story about this. I remember one time I, I went to speak to a middle school um, and they were doing tours of different holy places. And one of the holy places they chose was a church. And it was the old Kingsway campus, um, our Kingsway campus in Port Coquitlam. And so I'm talking to the kids about, about Jesus and about the cross and the power of salvation. And you know, most of them are non-Christians. At the end, I asked them a question and um, behind me, there was a drum cage sitting in the center of, of the stage, kind of here. And one of the students put up his hand and he said, I have one question. Yeah. Do you guys worship the drums? I'm like, N- worship the No, we play the drums. He's like, well, why are they in the center of the stage with nothing else in this drum cage? That poor child, for like 20 minutes, he's imagining that people come and worship the drum cage, kind of bow down to the drum cage. I felt so bad for him, but um, it just goes to show you everybody's experience is different with church, right? Anyway, sidetrack, back to this. So the Lord set the tribe of Levi, these specific individuals, specifically called for a purpose of ministering to the Lord, ministering before the ark. Next, we have the Ark of the Covenant in the book of Joshua. And this is where they, the people of God would follow the Ark of the Covenant through the Jordan River to the Promised Land. And it says this, when you see the Ark of the Covenant, Joshua 3, verse 3, when you see the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord and the Levitical priests carrying it, you are to move out from your positions and follow it. So follow the priests, follow the ark, follow the presence. When you saw the ark move, you would follow. Keep your eyes on the ark. Keep your eyes on the presence and follow it. Next, we have the ark of the covenant was brought into the finished temple. In 1 Kings chapter 8. Then the priests brought the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord to its place in the inner sanctuary of the house, in the most holy place, underneath the wings of the cherubim. For the cherubim spread out their wings over the place of the Ark, so that the cherubim overshadowed the Ark and its poles. So here we have now, the temple is built by Solomon, the temple is up, and now the Ark comes, in, comes into the most holy place, and it's placed in the Holy of Holies. So the ark, which was God's presence, which walked with Adam and Eve, which was followed pillar of, pillar, pillar of cloud by day, pillar of fire by night, which was in the tabernacle and was on the move, now found its final resting place, which is in the temple. And if we have that picture, I just want to show, I just want to show this picture. And just keep this up for a few minutes. 
And so we have toward the top there, you can barely see it, but see the porch and then the sanctuary. Right above that is the Holy of Holies. This is the flow, so we'd start at Solomon's porch here on the bottom. We would move into the court of the Gentiles, move into the court of the women, the court of the priests, the altar, the porch, the sanctuary, the most holy place, the holy of holies. And inside of that holy of holies was the ark. It says, after they placed the ark in the Holy of Holies, it says that when the priests came out of the most holy place, a cloud filled the house of the Lord. It filled the house of the Lord so much that the priests couldn't stand. They were like falling over. This isn't a cloud filled with rain. This is called a theophonic cloud. It means the cloud of God's presence, that his presence was within this cloud. And so the Ark of the Covenant comes in and God's presence comes into this place and he fills this place. And the priests can barely stand. And I look at this picture And God says, Joel, your spirit is the holy of holies. Do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit? whom you have from God. And then Paul says this, he says, you are not your own. What happens is the Holy Spirit comes upon us and he fills us. And we're filled with the Spirit and we're filled with the presence and we're filled with the cloud and we're filled with the fire. And we become a tabernacle and we become a temple. And we're filled with the Spirit of God. And I think so many times, what, do I stay on the porch? Do I stay, it's like this, I'm down here. I'm at the porch. And that's the Holy of Holies. And God says, come. And I come up the porch. And I come before him. And I come into the Holy of Holies. And now I minister to him. And I bless his name and I am, I am acceptable. And he is accessible. And the curtain is torn. And what was a sanctuary for some becomes a sanctuary for all. And what was a holy of holies for a few becomes a holy of holies for all. And the beautiful thing is we don't do it on our own. Now there are some that are here today that are on the porch and you've never come into relationship with Jesus Christ. You've been outside for a long time. outside of relationship with God who loves you 
outside on the porch in the cold and the rain is hammering against your life and you don't know if the storm will ever pass and you can't see through it all and Jesus comes and he finds you on the porch He picks you up. He carries you in. He says, come into the Holy of Holies. You too are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. And we have loved ones that are on the porch Husbands, wives, loved ones, uncles, aunts, children, those far off, those strangers and aliens. Don't leave them on the porch. They were created for the presence. Created to house the presence of God. The Holy Spirit. There's a woman named Madame Guyon. She's a favorite of mine. And she wrote a book in the 17th century called Experiencing the Depths of Jesus Christ. And she wrote this. When your soul is turned within, it actually becomes separated from your external senses. Two great advantages will come to you if you proceed in the way I have described. First of all, by withdrawing from outward objects, you will constantly draw nearer to God. The closer you are to God, the more you will receive his nature. The more you will receive his nature, the more you will draw upon his sustaining power. Second, the nearer you draw to the Lord, the farther you are, the farther you are removed from sin. And so you see, simply by turning within to your spirit, you begin to acquire the habit of being near to the Lord and far from everything else. These are the great rewards of turning your thoughts to him and to him alone. The most beautiful, mind-blowing thing about all of this is that the holy of holies is within. I love Northside Church. I love this sanctuary. But when everyone leaves, it's just a building. A temple is just a, a temple. The reason when we come together that we experience the spirit, that we feel God's presence, that we see healing, we see restoration, we see that we feel the peace of God, we experience God when we come together is because inside each one of us is the holy of holies and we all bring our flames together on Sunday. 
And when we bring our flames together on Sunday, there's going to be some explosion. Amen? In a good way. But when you're alone and you're driving in the car, you're sitting at home, and the way to find the Spirit, the way to find the presence of God is not only put on a sermon on the screen or, you know, open up the Bible and read it, although we experience God through that. That's not the only way. The, the way to actually experience God's presence is, as Madame Guyon rightly says, it's actually a turning within. It's a turning within to the Holy Spirit. Be careful that we don't turn within to our own soul, our own thoughts. That can just become meditation. And how many of you have meditated on your own thoughts? How many times do we feel better meditating on our own thoughts? But we turn within to the Holy Spirit who dwells within us, and we actually minister to the Lord from our spirit to him. And the Holy of Holies that was once distant, secure for a select few, is accessible to all of us. For some of us, that flame has never been lit. We've never put our faith in Jesus. Well, today can be the day that you choose to follow Jesus, to light that flame. Some of us, the flame is dwindling. It's there, but it's lukewarm. This morning, God can ignite that. And some of us are burning pretty hot. (laughs) We can minister to others. And so as we... um, I'm going to invite the worship team to come up because I I want us to have some ministry time with just the Lord. And I want to pray for you that you would experience this refilling or maybe filling for the first time. That he would ignite. Sometimes to to relight a flame that that is out or going out is just one breath. And the flame comes back up again. And I'm praying that for us this morning. I'm praying for a cleansing of the holy of holies within. And praying for the flame to be relit within us. That as we worship, as we respond in worship, as we respond in prayer, that we would turn our affection toward him. We would turn our attention toward him. We would turn toward the Holy Spirit this morning. And we would say in a fresh new way this morning, Lord, prepare me. Prepare my heart to be a sanctuary, to be a place that you dwell, Lord. Cleanse everything that doesn't belong. If I've been hoarding boxes of things in my heart, Lord, clean them out. If I just have too much furniture in my heart and I've pushed you out, Lord, would you just clean it out? Clean it all out, Lord. Clean out my inner life, Lord. Prepare me. And secondly, I pray, Lord, that you would fill us 
afresh and anew with your spirit. Take up residence within us. Move in, Lord, in a fresh new way. Ignite a flame that might be dwindling. Breathe on the flame within my spirit, Lord. Thank you for choosing us as your holy of holies. Set apart for you, my Lord.